This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Palace Preview Podcast from us people at Back of the Nest. This week, it's away to Brentford. Joining us this week, we've got Pat Patrick O'Connor and Chris Christopher Clark. How we doing, kids? All right? Yeah, good, mate. It was, it was uh, great to see you at Celeste uh, on Monday night. Yeah. Um, moving into the Homesdale. It's well, one, it's like sort of like an away game, although we'll get used to it. Uh, both myself and Will love it already. Um, although we were a bit perturbed at missing the first couple of minutes due to smoke and flags. Um, but what an atmosphere. Um, is it like that every week? Because sometimes it gets a bit lost in the wind, Chris, uh, when you're in the main stand. If you're there, yes, it's like that most weeks. I mean, this was particularly brilliant, I have to say. And I hope we can keep up that that quality of support all season. Fantastic job by the HF lads, um, you know, with the the pyro and everything. And yeah, we've just got to keep that atmosphere up because it will make it hard for other teams to play us. And Patrick, you've been on a golf tour of the uh, near states to New York. Going all right, yeah? Enjoying retirement? Um, yeah, I was in Vermont last week. I'm heading to um, Missouri next week or Sunday for a week of golf. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Life is good. Can't complain. Has it been hot, though? No. Or you've been um, playing? No, it hasn't been, but it's going to be very hot in Missouri next week. I saw it's over 100 degrees um, at Fahrenheit, Celsius, Fahrenheit. Yeah. So, I don't know what that is in Celsius. So I can't tell you what that would be. It's very, very hot next week. But it's- while, while we're on the subject of figures and stuff, I do owe Patrick an apology for show one. Yeah. Of this season. Go ahead. I want to hear it. Um, Go ahead about the time. Go ahead. Time zones. Uh, yes, you can have 26 hours. <laughs> in fact, there's an island or two islands in between Alaska and Russia. And you go from one island to the other and you can cross the date line and be in a different day. So, yep. hands up. I was wrong. Patrick was apology, right. Apology accepted. Um. Yeah, so we've we've got to apologise, be the bigger man. Later on in the show, we've got a very special guest. We've got former BBC tech guru um, and internet um, 
savvy guy whose dog uh, Sophie from Romania is also becoming an internet star. That's Rory Kefling Jones, who has been a Palace fan most of his life, but uh, because of his Parkinson's, goes to see Brentford because it's easier for him to get to um, rather than trekking across London. Um, so that's a good interview that we did earlier that we'll tack on to the end of the programme. Um, we'll start off with some news. I'm going to start off with um, some news from Palace Ladies. Um, Adam Jeffrey has joined from our upcoming opponents uh, at Sutton's VBS Community Stadium. Uh, we're playing Reading. He's joined as the assistant coach. Um Talking of the move to Sutton, Annabelle Johnson, a defender who signed a new contract, says the move from playing at Hayes Lane Bromley's ground to Sutton's ground shows that we're making a whole lot of progression in the women's team and has alluded to the benefits of playing on grass rather than on AstroTurf. And also um, our new head coach, whose name I haven't written down, uh, stupidly, uh, has made Amy Everett the new captain. So if you can get down to Sutton on Sunday, there are tickets on the Palace website and you can see us take on the relegated Reading and hopefully uh, Adam Jeffrey will be able to um, fill us in on Reading style much in the same way. Actually, I was going to say Sean Derry will when we play Wolves uh, next week, um, but he won't because he wasn't really there, was he? He was on uh, gardening leave. Um I'm going to whip through some transfer rumours um, and I'm only going to whip through them because Patrick and DR and everybody else, the ubiquitous Patrick O'Connor, I should have called you at the beginning because you're everywhere at the moment, um, will cover the transfer stuff in more depth on YouTube. But just running through them quickly, we've got Henderson being linked again from Manchester United as a backup keeper, although some are saying that he will challenge Sam Johnson for for the number one position. What do you make of that, Patrick? Do you think Sam Johnson should should stay in goal or or would healthy competition be better for us? It's always good to have competition, but if Dean Henderson comes to Palace, he's going to want to be the number one keeper. That's why he wants to leave United in the first place. He won't come here to be number two. So it'll be good for Johnson to be pushed because right now he's not being pushed by um, Remy Matthews. Uh, apparently, Johnston and... Um, Henderson are friends from the uh, United Academy that know each other very well. But again, if he comes here, he's going to want to be number one. So I think that's good for us. We'll have two good goalkeepers. So that'll be good. Yeah, and no, I know Gareth Southgate, according to one of the Red Tops, was specifically at the Palace game to watch um, Sam Johnston. So Johnston's going to want to be keeping his position to be in the, in the frame for the England. Obviously, um going to be watching Eze as well and Gay. Um Eze's been linked with Man City again, Chris. How much would you let him go for? That's really hard to say, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't. I think he's indispensable for us, and unless you are talking tens of millions, and you know, I mean, I'm in, in excess of fifty, frankly. For he's got several years left on his contract. He's a young player. He's a key player for us. You clearly don't want to stand in the way of the, of the chap's development, and in due course undoubtedly he will leave us and go on to bigger and better things and good luck to him with that. But right now, he's our main attacking outlet and I don't think we can afford to let him go in this window. Yeah. Um, we've been linked with a player from River Plate, according to Ballon Latino, which is a South American news agency uh, called Pablo Solari. He's a forward who's got a £20 million release calls. We've heard that um, before. Have you heard of him at all, Patrick? 
Do you follow South American football at all? I do. I don't know who that is. Sorry. Yeah. And another name that's cropped up is, uh, I hope I pronounce this right, Ivan Fresneda. Fresneda. At right back from Real Valladolid uh, in Spain. Kunz's transfer market is worth 15 million. But Chelsea are also interested as well. So at least, you know, the, the, the press rumours are linking us with players in the positions that we need them to. What do you think, Patrick? Fresneda, he was also um, linked with Arsenal. He's never coming to Palace. He's 18 years no, old. He's think... actually very, very good. He's actually never, yeah, we're not going to get him, but... It's a nice rumor, but that won't happen. But um, the Solari one makes more sense. I know Dougie's been very heavy into South American market, clearly with the France uh, signing. But Fresnader's, <laughs> I wish he would come to Palace, but it's, it's unfortunately, he's linked with much bigger clubs than us, unfortunately, right now. So, so is that of our league? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Unfortunately, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we want to be top half team. Um, so that's it for the kind of rumors. Sorry, Patrick. Say that so again. You say I can't help but laugh when you say top half team stuff. I just think it's just funny. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. Palace Plymouth tickets on sale. I know, Chris. You've got t- you've got tickets booked a hotel. Um. Personally, I can't justify the cost of the train fare and having to stay over, and the brand new turntable I bought this week. Um. And Will had said if it wasn't a League Cup game, yes, definitely go for it. Are you just going because it's going to be a, a ground ticked off? Well, I, I've got, I know someone who lives there, so I'll, I'll hopefully I'll have the opportunity to have a beer with him as well. Um, it's, I know someone who used to be chairman of the club as well, perversely, but I haven't actually been in touch with him. I will drop him a line um, if we're, you know, maybe to see if we can get him on YouTube to talk about the game in advance. Um, also, yeah, as you say, it's one of the 92 football English Football League grounds that I want to tick off uh, before I die. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I've found a nice hotel that does a decent-looking cooked breakfast. I'm not looking forward to paying for that train fare, though, because as, you, as you've said, it's gonna, it is expensive. I hadn't realised quite how expensive it was, but I'm committed now. That's it. I'm going. Yeah, I was looking um, for 160 quid for two of us. Just because you go one day and come back the next. Patrick's ummed. Yes, Patrick. Yeah, I have to know. If you don't, if you don't mind uh, me asking, Chris, how do you know the, the chairman or former chairman of Plymouth? Like, if it's not a long story, or I wouldn't mind listening to that. That's quite a short story. Um, he, he he does communications for the for so like campaign communications for the Communication oh. Workers Union. So yeah, I've I've known him from back in the day when I was involved with um, you know Jeremy Corbyn when he was leader of the Labour Party. So I've known him for a little while, yeah, yeah. and yeah, he's he's a decent bloke, Chris. And there was me hoping you'd say, "Oh, I shared a cell with him when I got nicked one night." But, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just went to uh, social media. Have you seen the footage of the Malaga fans at Malaga Airport? I think they got relegated to the Spanish third tier. They're so fed up with the fact that they haven't signed anybody that loads of them dressed up in their in their kits turned up at Malaga Airport and they were pouncing on random strangers coming through the arrivals gate as if they were brand new signings, getting them to sign shirts, cheering, putting their arms around them, taking selfies, asking for interviews. If you haven't seen that, it's, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's well worth a look. Um, one last bit of roundup news. Um, I've got to ask Chris again. 
what the bloody hell have giraffes got to do with the Croydon city of culture? Now, you know, I've been to places where they've had elephants all around the city or you've had pandas or whatever, but, but why a giraffe? So, Any idea? The, yep, the, the theme behind it is Croydon stands tall. Uh, so that, that's, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> that's the idea. But it's actually really quite a good project. And at the end, of, so all of those individual giraffes that are around the town centre at the moment are going to be decorated. There's loads of mini ones that are going to schools around the borough that are going to be painted. And at the end of the uh, process of the um, year, yeah, the borough of culture, those will all be auctioned off and that will make money for local charities. So it, it is a really worthwhile thing, although I appreciate there will be some mockery uh, for understandable reasons. And uh, is anybody going to knit a scarf for the Palace one? Because you'd have to have quite a bit of wool for that, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, it'd be him and Mike could share it. Yeah. That's yeah. Mike Scott of this parish who, um, as you probably couldn't tell from listening to the podcast, but he's quite tall. He's very tall. Um, strangely absent from the game on uh, Monday because he was watching cricket. Who can blame him? Talking of Monday night, wasn't that ref rubbish, Patrick, for all teams, for both teams even? You know what? When you told me who it was, and I thought I didn't know he was a people. I actually know him by face, not by name, and he was very ah. bad. I mean, I don't, I don't think um, the penalty should have stood because of the block off. I think Eze deserved the penalty. I don't think that Tommy Arthur deserved two yellow cards for the red. So he was equally poor for both teams. I think it was a very, it was a standard poor referee. Um, um, job by a English referee. Sorry, British referee. Apologies. At least he was unbiased in his ineptitude. I was having a look online uh, about him uh, when I couldn't remember his name. And I saw a, a bit from Yahoo Sports. And you know, websites give live text commentary of the game. Well, here's live text commentary from Yahoo verbatim. 42 minutes. Referee David Coote is being booed by both sets of fans now and little wonder after his latest questionable decision. This time, he gives a free kick to Arsenal for, well, nothing as far as we can see. <laughs> and then the next line is Saka gives away the ball from the free kick. Um, we seem to um, be very tight now, don't we? Uh, aside from the penalty... Okay, it's only two games, but no goals from open play. We've got um, Mark Gay and Jefferson Airplane. Not Jefferson Airplane. I'm showing my age there. Jefferson Lerma um, in midfield seem to be getting quite a good bond already. Um, Did I say Gay? I meant Decore. And we've got Gay and Anderson at the back. Um, We're very tight in the middle. Um... What, what do you make of that, Chris? Is that is that a good foundation going forward? We talk about a team having a good spine. That's literally it, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly it. And Matt Woosnam wrote a piece in The Athletic this week talking about the emerging strength of that spine. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've got every reason to be confident, I think, about that, especially with Lerma to, you know, uh, emerging as... I mean, a lot of people, I think, thought he was just an extra squad player. I think he's going to be starting for most of the season if he carries on playing the way he is. It's, it's him and Jordan Ayew who are rivals for match of the, man of the match so far every game. Yeah, indeed. What do you make of Lerma, Patrick, on his first couple of performances? He's very good. He uh, compliments the Corey very well. Uh, good in the air. Better passer than I realised. Gets about the pitch very well. Gets in the box. He 
both games that he's had a chance to score a goal. Um, no, I think he's been very, very good. It's an it's a underrated signing. Um, we need more of those kind of players. But as far as you mentioned, the spine, the spine is very, very good. So, you know, I'm very pleased with Loma so far. Thinking ahead. Oh, I have one more thing to say about the uh, the Arsenal game before we move ahead and look at Brentford. Um, the Arthur Fascia, Chris, what do you make of it? The LED jobby. It's all right getting the lineups at the beginning. But, you know, they they... They can show how much time is left during injury time now, can't they? It's a new rule that the FA brought in. But the whole point of that, I know we like the clock with the red and white stripes in the middle, but why show that analogue clock in the middle of the top of the screen rather than a kind of digital one that makes it easier to see how long's left? Well, it's a retro display, isn't it? Um, using modern technology. I, I think it's an excellent addition. Every year since I got a season ticket in 2010, uh, there have been things that have got better year on year on year. When I first started going, there wasn't the option to pay by card. It was cash only, you know, cash only in the stadium. Then they got card machines. They've got incre- you know, improved signage. They've got new um, uh, entrance areas or turnstiles. And, I mean, yeah, there have been some things that haven't always gone perfectly, with, especially with the new ticketing, etc. But I really like the new display. Um, it looks like a modern environment. Also, I mean, you've got the, the kind of flash of flame, and I'm not talking about the, the HF Pyro now. It's all it's like a modern stadium. And no, I disagree. That's credit, that's credit to the owners. Yeah, I can't be doing without. I, I mocked that at Wolves when we saw that a couple of seasons ago, the old fireworks and whatever at the beginning. Yes, I'm not knocking the Pyro in the, in the Homestead because that was brilliant, but it's... I don't know. Fair, Simon all, that 23 years ago at Selhurst. Um, I'd, I appreciate it's not for everyone, um, you know, but I, th- I think the fact that we've invested in new technology so that we can do new things, uh, for me, it's, it's a really, it's an attractive thing. It's a sensible use of resources to, you know, provide that extra bit of showbiz for people who expect that when they come to football now. And I, th- I think it's really good. I like it. Patrick, is it getting too American razzmatazzy or not? Um, as I live in America now, I would obviously say no, right? I mean, I don't have a problem with it, honestly. I actually like the Arthur Way fascist. When I was a kid, that's why I remembered the red and blue on the clock. I love it. So I didn't realize because you can't really, you only saw the beginning of the match on TV. You don't see it during the match. I didn't know that it changed. I thought it just stayed like that. So if it changes and gives you other graphics, I think that's great. So for me, I love it. I mean, I mean, it is. Football's changing, Nick. Get up with the times, mate. Football's changing. Yeah, I still can't get over the not allowed to pass back to the goalie and him pick it up, to be honest. But there you go. Him bouncing <laughs> it twice and then booting it out in any any direction. Um, so we're playing Brentford at the Community G-Tech Stadium. What changes would you see in the lineup, Chris? I mean, Raksaki came on against Arsenal. He looked really good. Is he going to be an impact sub or, or from that performance against the team that came second last year? Albeit they're maybe not on that show and they're not as good as possibly they are were last season. Did Raksaki do enough to warrant a start in place? And if he did, who would he replace? Well, it's a discussion point, isn't it? I mean, for me, I, I think that Hodgson will go with the same team. That's what he does. And I don't have a problem with that because, you know, I mean, we've we've run the second place team in the league very, very close in our second game. We beat the team that was in front of us in the first game. 
now we've got a team that is you know about our level, maybe slightly above, and this this will be a real test for what we do. Um, I'd like to see more of Raksaki, bring him on earlier, but I'd still bring him on as an impact sub. I don't think there's anyone there who, in that team who deserves to be dropped. Uh, if you're going to drop someone, I mean, I've seen lots of people on social media, in my opinion, madly saying, drop Jordan, are you? Um, no. Yeah, and I've seen this a lot. Um, it's crackers, but Palace Twitter is crazy at times. Um, other than that, the much maligned Jeffrey Schlupp, who you know perhaps didn't have the best game against Arsenal, but I think we held them pretty well. Um, I think that's that's likely to be who would be the subbed player uh, in you know if if we are in a position where we're making a change. But I don't think Roy will make a change, and I don't think he should either. What do you think, Patrick? I discussed this with uh, with D and and the other guys the other day about this. Um, for me, I understand one that Roy is a massive Jeffrey Schlupp fan, so he's not going to get dropped. I understand what Jeffrey Schlupp does defensively. It's underrated what he does. But going forward, he doesn't offer enough for me. Um, so what I would do is I like the idea, and I saw it in preseason, of either Ahamada left and then have IU right. Or if he was going to go very, um, I guess, aggressive, or would be to put the IU back on the left and then put Raksaki on the right. Because Raksaki is, is, is naturally off the right using his left foot having said that there is absolutely no chance that he makes that change for this match um alicia comes back alicia will be back obviously on the right and then probably move Ayu to the left unless france can play there but for this game coming up it's going to be the same lineup i just hope that as chris mentioned if we can get ahamada and Raksaki on a little bit earlier i think more of an impact i'd be all for that so now what i thought arsenal did well against us was Kind of shut Ezra out of the game, didn't they? He did, he wasn't in into it that much and, and was out on the wing and, and having to come in a bit. Would you prefer him to have a more central role there, Patrick? Well, according to D, he was central. I mean, I watched the game twice. For me, he was playing a lot higher up the pitch next to um, more with Edward. I'd like him to get out more wide because he's done that in the past where he and Schlupp have switched and he's gone in outside and Schlupp's gone inside. But it's going to be an issue all season. And... You know, even when Alisa comes back, they go. If you're smart and you're playing Crystal Palace, like it did, like team did for eight, nine years with Zaha, you're going to target the best player on the pitch, and that was Zaha for nine years. And it's going to be Eze for the next, hopefully, next couple. He's going to have to figure something out, either him as an individual player or or Roy as the manager, because if he gets shut down like that, we are going to be stifled beyond belief. Because without his creativity. We don't create enough. Jordan Ayu did a great job, I thought, on Monday trying to create opportunities, cross the ball with beating a guy on the outside. But he's not enough. He can't do it by himself. So Eze has to be more involved. I don't know how that happened. If it's to move him out wide, that might work. Because, again, he's done it in the past. But without a doubt, Eze's got to figure out a way to get more open and get more involved because we are not a creative force without Eze on the ball. Yeah, and Ayu, as much as he was running and dribbling past players, I think a couple of times he kind of stopped and then went back on himself rather than driving into the box, maybe trying to get the penalty. But but my thinking with Raksaki was when you've got a player who's going to run at people, if you've got Ayu, you've got Eze who can drift past players and you've got Raksaki who's going to run at people, then the opposition aren't going to have that option of closing out Eze as much, are they? 
No, they're not. Uh, so again, it's a good option, but again, it's a, an option that the manager right now is not going to take. He's absolutely not going to bench Jeffrey uh, Schlapp barring an injury. He's going to play him an IU wide right and wide left. So the Raksaki thing makes a lot of sense, but it's not going to happen anytime soon, in my humble opinion. And also you've got to think that Raksaki knows that um, Elise is going to be back. France is going to be in soon. They'll both be kind of vying for those sort of positions as well. So Raksaki is going to up his game in order to actually make Roy sit up and think, hey, up, I'm going to have a difficult choice here in in my selections. Um, it'll be interesting next week against Plymouth, actually, to see who, see who chooses and whether he tries to look at any other players that could possibly fill any other roles or whether he just sticks with his strongest team to try and get our much-wanted cup run. Um Chris, Brentford, Thomas Frank likes to play different formations depending on who he's playing against. Against Tottenham, where they got a very good tool draw, although Tottenham did look a bit bereft. You could see they were bereft of um, Harry Kane. Um, he played five at the back, whereas at Fulham, who are no no easy team to beat anyway, where they won Brentford won 3 0. He only played four at the back uh, with three in midfield and three up front. What, what do you think? he'll go for I know you're not a Brentford fan but but what would you be hoping his back line would be like well you'd like to think that um, you know they'll treat us with respect and you know, th- think of us as a threat but the reality is you know if I'm looking at our team I don't think we have that much of an attacking threat so I, I cannot see a situation where he plays five at the back against us um, it will be that bolder approach and try and turn us over and you know, I mean, I hope that they don't succeed in that. But, um, you know, and I th- as you've already said, we've actually looked pretty solid in defence. So they're going to have to push to try and score a goal or goals against us. They've been quite prolific so far, whereas we've only got one in two games. So, you know, it's going to be a challenge, a difficult game. What do you th- Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think the score will be then. Are you, are you going for a nil-nil then, Chris? It sounds like that. Because well, it doesn't yeah. sound like you can see a score in. And I, I think we, we, we are capable. Because I, I look back at that, that goal that Edouard scored against Sheffield United. And it was a great ball in from Ayu. And Edouard seen, all right, there's a, there's a, chasm of difference between Sheffield United and Arsenal. But Edouard seemed to be so much better against Sheffield United. Do you think he'll be able to turn out against uh, Brentford, Patrick? Because we know that um, JP Mateta's kind of sidelined for a little while anyway. Um, I, I've actually been very impressed with Edouard in the first two matches. His application has been much better. His hold-up play has been much better. His attitude seems much better. So, also the tough gauge because Arsenal is just very good defensively anyway. I mean, they're just really good defensively. Um, against Brentford, I would expect them to have some opportunities and clearly to start. Um, but again, I just like the way Edouard's played this year. I just hope that he can continue. He's going to get a run of games clearly because you just said Mateta's injured. 
may leave in the window, who knows. But again, I just like what Roy's done so far with him and hopefully um, what Edouard's done so far will continue. So your prediction? Well, we played I know you don't like predictions. No, I mean, this is easy though. We played him four times, we've drawn four times. I'm going to go for a draw, 1-1. One, one. Okay. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Palace win. Um, just because I want to bring a bit of positivity. Um, coming up very soon, we've got an interview that we did with Rory Kefling Jones. I mentioned at the start of the show. Um, before um, we move on to that, Chris, have you been looking at pubs for us for our away pub watch feature that we haven't got a um, background sound for? Away pub watch. <laughs> I hope that's not the intro, um, unless unless we put a, a beat under it for a few. Yeah, I might get shows. some echo and reverb. <laughs> well, let, let's see what producer Mikey can sort out for us. But um, on a serious note, with regard to um, away pubs, it's an interesting one. This because uh, what we did last year was um, I joined up with a load of the uh, HF who went to a pub up near Waterloo, the uh, the King's Arms on Rupel Street. It's a lovely little pub. I don't know if they'll be going there again. Um, it's actually really near where I work, and it's one of my favourite watering holes. It's a horseshoe bar with a really decent selection of real ales. So, and you can easily get a train from there to queue um, from Waterloo because uh, it's a very short walk from there. So that's a decent option. And last year there, there were train issues that meant it was wise to con- consider doing that. I don't know whether that will be an option this year, but that's one I would recommend. Train strike Saturday. Well, that's going to affect... So there's reduced service, yeah. Yeah. So, um, on the other hand, it is also very... So the ground itself is really near one of the Q underground stations. I'm just looking... Gunnersbury. Gunnersbury. Um, Now, right by Q Bridge Station, there is a uh, nice little pub, which I think is called the Express... Um, and that's actually where we we met your brother last year, um, and had several drinks. It was very, it was away from friendly. Had a decent range, decent ale of real ales, and had uh, an outside space and food on as well. So that was that was really friendly and a nice place to hang out. Uh, I think I think you probably don't barely remember that because it was your birthday. And uh, I've been on the boat before and drinking Jaeger bombs at ten thing. o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but i can recommend that pub that that's one i would recommend i'm actually skipping this game and um i think i, I used we used your my reference to get your ticket didn't we so or one yeah, of the tickets but we won't so. tell anybody that well yeah well <laughs> i was lucky i've not mentioned it on a podcast or anything isn't it yeah it um, really is oh good um, i went with yeah. um i went with mike scott last year and and i couldn't drink because i was having a procedure the day after and we actually got in the ground because the pubs were so busy by the time we got there. We got in the ground at about half one. And actually, if you get there early enough, the beer's a lot cheaper. It was like four pound for, for a bottle of Grolsch, which isn't bad at all for, for football grounds. It went up a little bit after. Um, but yeah, I like the Brentford Stadium. Patrick, you're coming over. When are you coming over? Um, early, the, early December for about a week and a half. So okay. the fixtures are West Ham, uh, Liverpool, and somebody else. I can't remember. Top of my head. So you, you've chosen all the winnable games. That's good. No, That's I good. chose I, oh, Luton. Luton? Is it Luton? Luton. No. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, it's not Luton. Hold on. I'm looking up. Bournemouth. So we can win two of those games, can't we? West Ham away, Bournemouth at home. 
Wimbledon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. West Ham away is good. It's good to visit that stadium, but you are a bit far from the pitch, it has to be said. So the reasoning, obviously, is I I had to pick, um, obviously, home games that were clustered together. I didn't want to spend, like, four weeks. and Not that I wouldn't mind being home for four weeks, but it's just my my brother wouldn't take me for four weeks. So I picked games where there were either (laughs) London games or, obviously, London away games, obviously, home. And it happened to be that West Ham was the week before, so... I'll also get the chance to see a women's game and uh, under-21s playing that European tournament. So a lot of football in those 11 days. Do you remember um, a few years ago, I I offered you a month-long house swap so you could see more games and you blankly refused. (laughs) (laughs) That was a long time ago. I do remember that. I do remember that. You're right. I'm uh, funny, yeah. Anyway, look, coming up is our interview with Rory Catholic-Jones. It's a great listen. He's He's a splendid chap. Joining us now on uh, Back of the Nest Preview Podcast, Palace Preview Podcast, we've got a bit of a left-field guest um, in that they're a tech guru, um, BBC, old B, former BBC correspondent. Uh, I'm really, really pleased that we can welcome Rory Kathleen-Jones, who I usually hear in the middle of the night when I've got insomnia on the tech tent on the World Service. So it, it's nice to be able to hear what your thoughts on football are. Um, we've got Chris with us. Um, what have you been up to, Rory? Because you've re- kind of retired, haven't you? Well, yeah, I, I, you, you won't have heard me on Tech Tent for a while, which is a programme I love doing. Um, but I left the BBC uh, end of 2021, and I've been out 18 months, uh, and I, I suddenly, suddenly find myself busier than ever. I do a bit of podcasting myself. I've got a hit podcast about Parkinson's uh, called Movers and Shakers, which with the cast, including a judge and Jeremy Paxman. Um, I've got a book coming out next month. I've got a newsletter about health and technology, basically juggling. And I've got, I've got a, I've got actually a dog that is a bit of an internet sensation. So that keeps me busy as well. Well, we'll start with the internet sensation dog, uh, Sophie from Romania, because Chris, well, I'll let you carry on, Chris. Yeah. So uh, my girlfriend, Louise, uh, adopted a, uh, Shetland Sheepdog cross from Romania um, just over a year ago. So, um, you know, we've clearly got uh, some of that common ground. You know, I mean, he's um, his name's Solo um, and he was... How's it going with him? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Um, And we've had him just over a year and... At first, he was incredibly nervous. You know, walking through a, a door, even he'd look round in case you were going to shut it behind him. He was very nervous of men, um, very avoidant of other dogs. And over time, we've really built that, and he's become more confident doing things like car journeys. And this weekend, we took him to the beach for the first time, which was a revelation, and he really loved that. So, um, I'd highly recommend uh, having a rescue dog if you're in in a position to do it. Um, and just wanted to hear your yeah, well- experience of it. We, we, well, we had a, a rescue dog for years, which we loved, called called Cabbage, believe it or not, a Collie Cross, uh, which died uh, at the beginning of last year and took us a long time to get over that. Uh, and that was a, a a dog, which we got a local dog's trust place. Uh, this one has been a, a bit of an experience in that she spent a large part of the first six months we had, and we got it just before Christmas, living behind this this sofa, which uh, you can see in the background, which I'm sitting on now. And the great miracle over the last month or so is that she's out. And I don't know if you can see her. There yeah, we is, can see her. Sitting, sitting on her bed. Hello, Fantastic. That, that is a bit of a miracle, really, because uh, we bought her a bed uh, the week before she arrived, and she shunned it. She never went near it um, because she was hiding. 
Um, so she's suddenly come out of her shell. I'm glad we've we've got a dog on the show that likes their bed because I've got I've got a cocker called Jarvis, funnily enough, and <laughs> I've spent a fortune on beds. Um, they either get chewed up or totally ignored. So that's anyway. We are a football podcast. Yes. Now the reason I asked you on because I remember years ago, and I'm going to go back years. You were my first ever friend on something called Four Square. Do you remember that way oh, back yeah, in the day? Yeah. I used to be the uh, the most checked in person at the garages behind the school I worked at because I was having a crafty cigarette. The mayor or something like that. Like that. Yeah, the mayor of um, the mayor of um, I can't remember the name of the school I worked at. How terrible is that? The mayor of Mulgrave. That was it. And that was because I was having a cigarette at lunch times around the back of the garages. It kind of disappeared. That. Along with lots of other things like MySpace and Bebo, and um... well, actually, the founder of it is, is it interesting. The guy I'm trying to remember his name, but I went and saw him in New York once. He he was an American who was mad on football. He was really into into football, and came over quite a lot to to games. So there is a connection there. There are a lot of Americans interested in football, whether that whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Watching Chelsea implode as they spend loads and loads of money uh, is quite interesting, quite but. You spent your youth watching Palace, standing on the Homesdale, watching watching cup runs in 1976, marvelling yeah. at the wile and guile of Peter Taylor running down a ring, wing. What, what can you tell our listeners about that, Rory? Well, I was uh, a teenager in the, in the 70s, and I went to the first home game I went to, uh, I must have been 14, I think, uh, and that really did it for me because it was Palace 5, Man United 0. Oh, wow. Amazing Don Rod- I think Don Rogers scored one of his sort of classic sort of breakaway goals. And I thought, well, this is good. Uh, and then I watched them drop two divisions. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sort of tempestuous period which ended. I was sort of uh, part of the Malcolm Allison period, although that was the tail end of it. Um, and uh, stood in this mighty crowd uh, on the Homesdale end, which was a great sort of cliff of a terrace. And I, f- I forget what it cost to get in, but it's, I, I've got 50p in my my mind, but that may or may not be an exaggeration. And uh, I was quite interested when I went, I've been back recently a couple of times to br- both Brentford games of the last two seasons. Uh, and was quite uh i mean i was it was a very nostalgic experience uh and in some ways i was slightly shocked by how little it had changed it felt it still felt like uh walk, walking up to the ground in the 1970s from the outside because it's changed a bit inside but um a lot of it felt very very nostalgic all oh, right sorry i'm just trying to play about with the with the screen here as we go along as i said before we started it's my first time being I a producer and doing, Yes, sorry about that. Yeah, my first game was 1976 in the third division against Rotherham. We won 2-1. And I think I was about seven. Yeah. Yeah. I love the programme font in them days, big blocky letters. And um, yeah, and we we didn't support Palace for the glory, did we? No, no. I mean, I I was brought up uh, on the borders between Camberwell and Dulwich. Um and uh, went to school at Dulwich College on an ILEA-assisted place. And uh, it was, but it was our local team. I, the, 
the only sort of friends I ever kept in touch with from school were, were just other Palace fans. Right. The other reason we've got Rory on is he actually watches Brentford now. And you look like the perfect customer for a half and half scarf. Oh, God. Um, I, I can never get over those scarves. What? Who buys them? Somebody must because they're always selling them. Yeah. Always yeah. selling them. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Brentford. Uh, did you start, you've been a season ticket holder there for four years. Obviously, you go there because it's your local team. When I lived in Reading, I used to watch them sometimes and... Um, when I was younger, my dad worked for the evening news, uh, delivering the papers and um, had quite a few interesting afternoons that uh, their print works over. I think they were near, um, yeah, they were quite quite near Fleet Street at the time. But we used to deliver the classified, the, the morning Saturday evening news. Then we'd have a few hours off until the classifiers were out. And uh, as it was, Wimbledon would play one week and Palace would always play the week after just by fortune of the fixtures. So I kind of had two teams at once as well. But I take it now you're more Brentford than Palace. Is that right? Well, I, I found it very difficult because uh, although my my match-going days were kind of ended by the time I was 20 and I moved away and did various things, Palace were, and I still consider them my team, it's just if I wanted to go to football... Uh, Ealing to Selhurst Park is a nightmare, I have to tell you. But easy yeah. to get to, to the villa or somewhere like that. Um, uh, and I started going to Brentford, which was a, a lovely little, I mean, such a classic ground, Griffin Park, you know, pub on every mm. corner and all that. Um, in about 1992, I used to go, and I only went two or three times a year. And then what happened is my son married uh, a, a girl whose dad, I got get on with very well, and is a fanatical Brentford supporter. Well, he's he's actually he, he's a real scholar of football. Uh, he's a scholar of football and classical music, and he knows a lot about both. Uh, and I started going with him, and he he always stood on the terrace uh, at Griffin Park. Uh, so I got a season ticket on the terrace there for a couple of years, and then when we moved to uh, the community stadium, uh, I'm you know. On the equivalent of the terrace behind the uh, in the in the west hand behind the goal. Yeah, is that the away end as well? In that corner, no, no, the opposite no, end. Very much the home end. The I won't wave end. to you on Saturday then. Yeah, it, it, it's in the far corner. And how, yeah. how's that move going? Do you think it's always not that I'd know because Palace have, have always been at Sellers Park. But you look at other teams when they move stadium. You think of Sunderland; they go down. Reading suddenly dropped. Brentford didn't. No, well, Brentford's move, I mean, it'd been a long time coming. It, it's Geographically, it's under a mile away from Griffin Park. It's, it's, it's a short walk, really. Uh, so it wasn't, wasn't huge. Uh, and it was obviously, you know, absolutely vital. We, we would not have been allowed to uh, be in the premiership, I don't think, with the ground we had, um, which was, you know, pretty primitive. And, what, what's incredible about this stadium is it's is immediately built a fantastic atmosphere, which is very rare, actually, when clubs move to a new stadium. Um, you know, they sometimes feel soulless places. It's not very big, you know. It's yeah. 17,000. Um, uh, it's quite cosy. And um, it's immediately got this, this great vibe to it. 
Oh, that's good. That's good. I've I've been there last two seasons. Well, in fact, both times we played because mm. it was before we played to each other in the Premier League. We Brentford and Palace kind of avoided each other somehow. I think the previous time that they'd played was 1977, yeah. and which played... is a long time. And you were probably out of that game. Oh, possibly. We've I bet Patrick was four, as well. We've played out four draws so far, haven't we? Which is kind of a sort of work for me, I suppose. Yeah, the, the the thing about the Brentford Stadium is, it's weird. I mean, we, we we joke about Luton and the away end. You've got to sort of go through somebody's side gate to get into the away end. Going to Brentford, it's like going into a show flat, or you think you're going to go and look at a show flat because it's it's all kind of super modern and whatever there. Um, so on to Thomas Frank. Sing his praises for us, Rory, and I'll let Patrick what, what, and Chris come in with I, any I, questions I if they've got them. I, I, Everyone loves Thomas Frank. It, you know, Thomas, Thomas, give us a wave. And everyone is very excited when he does. Um, he's just such an articulate, smart guy and comes across as a really nice guy. So when I left the BBC um, 18 months ago, they did me a leaving video. These are kind of, sort of traditional things where they cut together a bunch of funny footage. And, and I'd made them for dozens of people. I made them for, you know, all sorts of top people that left the BBC. And then it was my turn, and they made me a cracking leaving video, which had all sorts of people in it, including, God help us, Boris Johnson uh, oh, and um, uh, Stephen Fry and, and people like that. But best of all, they went to Brentford, and it's all without my knowledge, and got Thomas Frank to send me a message. And they, got him to, they must have coached him in this. He said, Rory, more less time with the beeb, more time for the bees. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute highlight. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Chris Patrick, you got anything to ask Rory about Brentford? Yeah, Rory, nice to meet you. What are your thoughts on the season this year without Ivan Tony? Yeah, I mean, I'm one of the, well, generally in life, I'm a glass half full person. Uh, so far with Brentford's adventures in the Premier League, I've been a glass half empty person and I've been glad to be proved completely wrong. I thought, God, we're going to struggle. Patrick is smiling there because that's exactly how we feel as Palace fans. Yeah, pretty much. Before I go, I'll tell you a a funny story. With my friend Simon, my my son's father-in-law, I went to the the Palace game, as far as I remember, it was very early on uh, in our first Premiership season. And... We, we, we trundled across there on the train and we're on the train back in a carriage packed with Palace supporters. And it had been, I think, I think it was a nil-nil. Um, it was early August. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, right. And that, that guy that um, went off to Chelsea that was on loan to Palace. Conor Gallagher. Conor Gallagher. Conor Gallagher, yeah. Played really well. And, you know, he came closest to scoring. But... On the way back, we were listening to the Palace fans intently and there was so much moaning uh, and about how, <laughs> God, we're going to have another season just you know, <laughs> relegation. And my friend Simon said, God, sometimes I, I think it would be better if we stayed in the Championship because this is going to be what it's like for us. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> amazingly, uh, we did okay that first year and we did even... And then, then of course, we got Christian Eriksen uh, right. We lost him at the beginning of the last season because, amazingly, 
Chelsea, uh, uh, Brentford having given him the 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 chance to get back into top flight football, he decided he preferred to go to Manchester United. And we thought, oh, well, that's us done because he was the one that really hauled us out of a really difficult period. Uh, and then second, second game of the season, first home game, we we thrash Man United and poor old Ericsson has a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and it yeah. turns out to be an extraordinary season. And then at the beginning of this season, I'm thinking, oh, God, then we've got Ivan. Who's going to score? And we haven't really bought anybody uh, right. up front. Um, we've got this boy, Sharda, from Germany, who's very tricksy, but as you know, he's yet to find the back of the net. And yet, so far, um, Wissa and Mbumo have done the business. So uh, I try to be gloomy, but um, <laughs> there's a bit of good cheer there. Yeah, so less of the Marvin the Power and Red Android, and more of the uh, slidey doors on the on the uh, on the starship that used to t- <laughs> be too happy to open for you. Um, sorry, Hitchhiker's uh, <laughs> reference there. Um, so, what are your predictions then for Saturday? Please don't say a draw. I've looked at the ref, um, and um, Peter Banks. Um, he's had six matches ref in Palace where there have been three wins and three draws for Palace. And he's had 16 games refing for Brentford, where there's been four draws, six wins and six defeats. So you can't say that he's biased. Um, surely it can't be another draw, can it? Well, I'm, as I say, I'm very torn. In a way, a draw would suit me. A thrill draw, yeah, definitely. Okay, <laughs> I'll take that. Or, um, I mean, I, uh, I watched Palace Arsenal the night before last, and uh, I thought it was a really gutsy performance and frustrating performance. But I slightly wondered uh, where your goals were going to come from. You know, you know where right. you've got a, a similar yeah. situation to, Brent, to what Brentford had at the beginning of the season. Yeah, well, we've got players out injured at the moment. Hopefully yeah. they'll come in, do the business. We've got another week of the transfer window, so who knows what, what Dougie will pull out the bag. Yeah. But anyway, Rory, thanks ever so much for joining us. Um, if ever you need anybody for any of your podcasts, Chris is brilliant. <laughs> and and uh, we might grab you back on on the return fixture, if that's all right. And uh, yeah. we can discuss each other's seasons. Yeah, so um, thanks once again, Rory Kefling-Jones, uh, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Rory. Nice to meet you. DR is on the YouTube most nights. He'll be looking at all the transfer stuff and bearing in mind that um, the transfer window is closing next week. Uh, I'm sure he'll ramp up with that one. Uh, there will be a review of the match that we play against Brentford that uh, Mr. Hambling will be doing uh, probably on Sunday night. Um, whether we cover the Plymouth game, which isn't actually on telly, so we might be relying on Chris for uh, being our correspondent for that one. But, everybody, thank you very, very much for listening again. And up the bloody palace, that's what I say. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.